welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Oh, we're rolling. Ha ha ha. Hey, hey, everybody. Knock on. Another podcast. Uh, it's kind of an impromptu one because my buddy Preston is with me. And uh, Preston's Preston's a super cool dude. You've got some some crazy sides to you that until you, you're like an onion. <laughs> Once you start peeling, you find all these like really cool layers about you. It's awesome. But um, anyway, I met uh, Preston through my buddy Eric Gudgel and also EJ. And um, you and I started talking about some stuff together that, you know, we're kind of, well, EJ fascinated you um, and your dad about kind of his infatuation with like deer and deer's you know, supplementation, food, all that stuff. You guys weren't even in that category at all. You were just hunters and then kind of ventured down that road with them. And then you kind of through EJ met my buddy, Eric Gudgel, and then Eric kind of got all of us connected. And then now, um, we'll, we're buddies, I guess. You right. Say so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we're, we're friends and, we're kind of friends, and um, you have a you had a, a really cool, like I don't know if it's your business practice or if it's something that you and your dad have always done um, with your clients. But when you and I first talked and we started about working together on some different things, you pretty much said, you know, I really want we need to meet face to face, and um, and then you drove out and we met each other. Uh, to kind of talk about some different things that we had wanted to work on together. And then was Rogan out? Uh, no, f- not the first time we met. The first time we met, we had met at an Italian restaurant. And you guys ordered wine at lunch, and I knew I would like you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't even remember that meeting. It was. Like, I sound. I. What's sad, people, is I know I sound like a raging drunk, <laughs> but. Honestly, because you guys are all getting to see that side of me, um, it's because you're friends. Like I don't once I once I'm to that. That's my relaxed state. Oh, hundred percent. Um, if I'm to the point where I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a drink, it's because I'm with someone that I really enjoy, and like I'm in my I'm getting my hangout mode. So if I'm if I'm doing a podcast. I'm not really doing it because I feel like I have to. I'm to the point where I feel like I've got everything to the side and I'm doing it because I want to and I'm having a wine uh, just because I really like it. I've had some of my coolest bottles of wine is from just miscellaneous people sending a bottle just saying, can you do a podcast, please? So <laughs> That's pretty nice. <laughs> that was really nice. But it was also tax season, so you were trying, I think you are Yeah. Yeah, a little stressed out. Yeah, and that's getting close again. So stress is building up. But right now we're we're having a um, a rye brain. 
in a, in a Yeti cup with a Magna lid. And uh, if you haven't tried it, you need to try it. It's delicious. Yeah. And well, you have to be smart on your podcast. We're trying to keep alert. This is um, this has one of my smoked whiskey balls, ice whiskey ice balls. Um, for those of you listening who don't know what that is, you take a big tin, um, like a metal pan or aluminum foil pan, kind of like what you cook a turkey in. You put water in there, and then you put it in your smoker. In my case, a Traeger, and I run it on smoke for about two hours, and just every 30 minutes, I open the lid and slowly move the water around. And, you know, on the smoke setting, it's only 160, so it's not like it's boiling the water. It won't in that short of period of time. And then you uh, let the water cool down, and you pour it and make ice cubes out of it, and it's really cool to give a little smoky flavor to some bourbon of your choice. It works really, really good. But we're we mixed up a peach rye brain um or a peach alpha brain and then put this is Knob Creek. Yeah, that's good. So I've never had the smoke balls before. <laughs> <laughs> They're quite tasty. Yeah, they are. They they surprise a lot of a lot of folk. So uh Preston, we've got a couple things I thought we'd talk about. This is I like the imp- impromptu podcast and normally if i invite someone over um you know they're kind of pumped that they that they get to come over because i don't invite very many people here um but it's kind of i just it's actually bait and switch (laughs) it's because i'll take it (laughs) i just want another (laughs) podcast member that's that's kind of the only reason um but no we worked on a, a couple things you're you made a switch um over to a hoyt carbon riser yeah, um, man. From, well, let's just say it's brand. Well, oh, oh, you said it. It's so a, it's, it was an elite. Okay, I wasn't gonna say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say brand X, but <laughs> brand X. It's sorry. brandy. Um, so we got you set up with a new bow, um, new set of arrows, and and then uh, got you learning shot execution for the first time. I'm assuming. Yes. And with a silverback. So what's your thoughts on just the shot process? And just, I guess we've, um, we only have shot a little bit because you started to, started to fatigue just because it's a new style and I don't want to ingrain the wrong technique. So I just said, Hey, let's take a break, do a podcast. We ate some elk burgers and, uh, we'll shoot again once you kind of build up your stamina. But what was your first impression? Um, my first impression was, you know, I've been shooting a, a certain way with, with certain releases and, um, and I did a lot of punching the trigger. And so the silverback was, um, it's very helpful for me specifically, um, being able to have the, like the right position based on what you're telling me. And then to be able to slowly pull back and then it surprise you was something new for me and and i need it yeah well one thing that's i need to talk about because um this is something that preston faced this is something that most of my students face and it's probably the hardest part about selling a product like this to people especially people that i I trust and i like um because most of my social media followers i end up I kind of stalk them too and follow them and I search a lot of the silverback hashtags and stuff and I try to um, really look at people's shooting form and technique 
And the sucky part about selling a product like this is that I'm not able to like be there to coach everybody. Um, but with you, it's amazing how many guys, even if they know they've struggled with target panic, when they're the, the first several shots they make with that release, they don't have panic. It's like the first, did you notice that? Oh yeah, 100%. Like your first few shots, you weren't thinking about like what you would feel with your caliper style or your wrist strap release at all, did you? Right. Because you made, right out of the gate, you made three or four awesome shots, but we were grilling burgers. So then I went around to like check the burgers. <laughs> and when I came back, I could see him like 10 yards behind the target looking in the grass. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was, because you looked so comfortable yeah. doing it, I like made a rookie mistake as a coach and I made the assumption that you were fine to like just let you, you know, get some reps in. But the reality is, and this is something that's really important, is there's always a placebo factor. And that's there's two elements to that. One, you were trying something new, so it worked for a little while. Like we've all experienced that, right? I think um, my dad has a good saying um, when it comes to like using someone's driver in the golf bag. He said, um, I remember him telling me, he said, he said, if you ever, if you want to hit it good, then just don't buy it. <laughs> Cause he's just like, borrowing. yeah, he just said, he said, uh, I go, yeah, I said, I'm hitting this thing so good. And he said, well, God damn it. By all means, don't buy one. And I said, what? He's like, as soon as you buy it, you're going to start hitting it like shit again. <laughs> and that's so true. It's the placebo factor. So trying something new, you know, there's a short window where it works flawlessly for you. But with the Silverback, it's not, it's actually not that. What it is, um, and this was something that I tried working with you after you made the mistakes, is because you're so focused on consciously thinking about holding the safety down, not punching yourself in the face, pulling back and you're like, oh my God, I'm kind of unsure. Is my anchor right? Is And you're kind of looking at me like, is this right? Is my head right? And then you're like, okay, I let off my safety. Now what am I supposed to do? And so I'm you know, standing with you. I'm talking to you. Okay, focus on the tip of that elbow. That elbow's coming back. Pull it to the 12 o'clock. And perfect shot happens. And then the next time you pull back and you're thinking, okay, well, I'm, I feel comfortable pulling back my fingers on the safety. I pull back, okay, my anchor, yeah, my anchor's okay. And then you kind of said, what should I do with my front hand? I'm like, let's not worry about your front hand right now. And the reason why you're able to make that shot without feeling anxiety and feeling the urge to punch the trigger is because you were so focused on other details. Yeah. And the what happened is you occupied your conscious thoughts with a process that it wasn't necessarily a shooting process. It was more a process of how do I not like punch myself in the face or how do I know I'm doing this right? And you're probably somewhat nervous about, okay, John's watching me right now. Like these are, these are all things I've been there. I've had people watch me, you know, when I lifted weights for the first time in front of Frank Zane, I was, you know, it's not like I felt like I was just in the gym, like an everyday gym session. I was thinking, oh shit, this guy's every, he's like looking at every detail of what I'm doing wrong. So you have that going through your head. So you're really trying to do it right. And the other thing was, you know, just because so much of it was new, 
you were really concentrating on the process more so than the result. But then once you made like, cause you shot several ends where you're air, like I told you, I said, Hey, actually, I think the last thing I said to you before yeah. I, <laughs> is it true? Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I said to you as I walked around to check the, the burgers was your arrow bill is getting ready to get very expensive because you were already touching veins after shooting that thing, just a few shots at 20 yards. Mm. And I think honestly, if you weren't like a buddy, I wouldn't have, I would have been more serious. I wasn't being a good coach then because those little things are things that some people tell themselves and that's what gets you in trouble. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, I took your thought process from literally a step-by-step sequence and, you know, almost like a checklist and you were worried about all these checklists being right. I took your thoughts from that to a result. So what happened was you went back thinking, I'm going to shoot, I want to shoot my, I want to hit my arrows together. I'm pretty sure that's probably... Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, was I, it? And then, like, the next shot, I lost the arrow. Well, I don't know if we lost it yet, but yeah. it's in the grass somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, you literally went from... This is so important to the listeners, is when we go from thinking about the execution and literally the sequence or our routine... Or, you know, the step-by-step process. Like, when we take focus away from process or routine, then we start to just, you know, we start to think away from the line. And we start to think about the results at the target. And the thing is, if your focus is at the target, your subconscious really doesn't do the things that it has to to make that shot happen the right way. Subconscious is very good to depend on when it comes to like centering, like your subconscious likes, you know, today we watched the eclipse um, or we thought we did. We actually thought we were cool to watch it with our phone instead of like we didn't have the glasses. We just thought if we watch it through our phone, it'll work now. It didn't work. But um, the subconscious is good about centering, centering pins, centering scopes. Like the subconscious does that sort of thing good. The subconscious is good about knowing, okay, I need to aim, you know, I need to aim the pin on the target. I need, you know, and but it also, as the pin floats off, it brings it back. As it floats off, it brings it back. Like it's good about those things. What it's not good about is when you start telling it to hold, aim, Be still, like those are all, I told you, those are all trigger words. So I could tell by your shooting, you actually started to regress. And what I told you was, listen, what you're telling yourself or whatever is going on in your head right now, most likely those thoughts aren't subject or related to the process of what is from the center of your feet backwards. Your thought process was from the center of your body to the target yeah. because you were wanting the result. It was like my old mentality was shoot, shoot, shoot as soon as I'm on, as soon as I'm on the target. So yep. this is totally different. And you're saying, you know, when I'm back, um, I've gotten the bowl, bowl pet pulled back um, at full draw. The elbow then comes back and it should be 4-1000 to 7-1000. And that's totally different than what I've ever done. Yep. So it's great, like awesome advice and it's great coaching. I'm very lucky to 
have been here and you to teach me? Well, the one thing that I told Preston was um, compound bows like dynamic. They like dynamic energy. They don't like static. So static energy is aiming. It's being still. It's holding steady. Like it doesn't, as much as we want to think that it does, it doesn't actually like that. What happens is the amount of archers that are able to aim super steady and then activate in a static sense, the number of archers that can do that is probably two handfuls in the world. Those are the super elite level archers. I mean, honestly, you could give me a bow and say, okay, I only want you to shoot this by aiming. And I could probably aim and shoot decent for a while, but then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to regress. Um, and that's because I do have the mental ability to continually build pressure on a trigger until it fires without actually moving through the trigger. Whereas when most people focus on moving through the trigger and they have the dynamic pull against the wall of the cam and they're pulling through, those, those types of things, your groups just suck together when you're dynamic. And, and then once I explained that to you, you started pulling again. And as soon as you're pulling through, even though you're moving a little bit, your arrows just go right in. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you try to like rush that or you feel the the need to, okay, I've got two arrows in the perfect spot. I want to put that like I want my third arrow right there. All that stuff is things that as a as an archer that's trying to get away from anticipation or away from target panic, those are all the types of things that you really want to avoid. The things that you want to talk about and the things that you want to confirm in your mind and mentally are, um, I'm okay, um, I'm floating good, this is a, you know, this is, this is slow and steady, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine here, like all this stuff, you have to talk yourself through that because part of me being a coach and why I work well when I'm with people directly is because that's actually, I'm doing that talking for you, right? That's Mm -hmm. some of the things that I'm saying behind you. So you're like thinking about what is he saying? What is he saying? So in turn, you're almost saying it to yourself because you're thinking about what I'm saying. So I'm trying to literally break that mindset of you trying to say, it's there, make it happen. Or I want it right there, it has to happen now. Like my mentality is, it's okay to float, this is good, I like this movement, this movement's cool, I'm comfortable with this, I'm totally fine with this, just keep pulling, I'm, this is gonna be great when the shop breaks. Those are all my type of mentalities. Got it. There's times where I might be you know, pulling longer than what I want, but it's just like, it's okay. This is good. You know, I'm pulling through. Everything's still good. I can still feel pressure building. I can still feel pressure building and then it breaks. Um, so that has to be your mentality. You have to be able to switch to accepting that movement. And like I said, once I let off the safety on like a silverback and start that movement, or once I kind of move my thumb to like a knock to it, or um, in this weekend's case, I gave people the first look at a new release that I'm that I'm going to be bringing out by uh, indoor season, um, which I'm going to call the Too Smooth, um, which is actually based on 
one of the followers came up with that name a long time ago. I've got to see who came up with that name so I can give him credit. But um, that release as well, that my timing, I try to, I try once I either acquire the trigger or take my finger off the trigger and start that movement, I try to just count in my head 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000. And I'm trying to get to my peak tension or my peak movement somewhere around that four to 5,000 mark. Um, so I, you know, I kind of try to describe it as, you know, if you come to a stop at a stop sign and you're in a residential area, you know, and you have to get to go 25 miles an hour, you know, you, I'm kind of, as I let my foot off the gas and then I slowly start pressing it enough to where I'm not going to jam anyone's head back, you just continually build pressure on the accelerator and push it further and further down without making anything jolt. You're just building pressure and then, you know, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000, bam, it'll, you know, that's kind of what's going through my mind is I'm saying I like this flow, floats good, and I'm kind of thinking in my mind too, that count. You know, if you're able to have a silverback and let off your safety and build with continual motion while your pin's floating around the target for four to seven to ten seconds, like that's a huge hurdle to overcome for a lot of people. And if you do it, if you do it, you should start telling yourself, like, this is what it takes to master this sport. I'm I'm comfortable with this. I'm doing this without even thinking. Like, I'm totally fine doing this. Um, and when you get to the point where mentally you're totally fine floating around that much and just being okay with your pin if it's on the target, being okay with your pin if it's off the target, and then trusting the fact it's moving back into the center of the target. But that whole time, you're just focusing on the pull and building pressure, building pressure, building pressure. The shot goes off. If you can do that, then your archery game is going to just be at a whole new level. I mean, it's not, it's not even in the same ballpark. It's going to be at mastery level and actually today i might as well do this too while i'm thinking about it is um my homeboy uh andy stump from he's got an awesome podcast he was a guest a few podcasts ago um but andy's podcast is called cleared hot um a really really great podcast definitely um you know it's a great motivational podcast as well and a great character building i think team building um it's just an all-around great podcast, and I was lucky that he asked me to be his guest for one. And um, his so his Cleared Hot podcast number 10 uh, was released today, and that's with Andy and I. And I actually listened back through it because a lot of times when you're doing something like that, to me it's no different than if I'm sitting here talking with you. We're having a good conversation, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to remember every aspect about it. So I kind of like listened back through that podcast and the one thing that I, the one thing I can understand, but he's almost worse than me about it is he didn't give himself credit for how well he is shooting. Like Andy's shooting lights out. Andy actually beat me at a hundred yards on the last arrow. Um, we both shot, we both had, we had a lighted knock on the elk target at a hundred yards and we shot at it live. And uh, Andy was 
he he was like I don't know an inch or two closer to center than me. So you know, and in that aspect, I had someone that I got to work with for a day and a half, probably less than three quarters of a day if we subtract um, consumption and laughter. Um, if we subtract that, it was three quarters of a day and he's, he was so process oriented that it's like, well, he's natural because of his training. No, he's natural because he's focusing on a process. Mm -hmm. Like you learn to rule out what you want to think you should do and just doing what you're told to do and focus on the process. And he focused on the process and honestly, we were sitting there. And he was just, I bet we shot, uh, before that podcast, I bet once we got his bow sighted in, I bet we shot a dozen arrows at 80 yards at the elk. And every one of his shots were a killing shot. Wow. And then we went to, I just said, should we try 100? And he's like, well, yeah, let's try 100. So then we went back and uh, just started bombing at 100. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) like... I want to do like a for a pro am. He would have been the perfect partner to round up. We I told him we gotta. Well, I probably shouldn't say this, but him and I were kind of planning a sandbag to sandbag some of his buddies. <laughs> he was gonna have me come in as like the hired grill guy to one of his parties, and then just kind of oh yeah, I think I can shoot a bow. <laughs> I just watched the white, white man catch out. You know, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Then Woody Harrelson's wearing that weird outfit. Yeah. And they pick him up. Yeah, I should call Chad Ward and get, get his flamingo shorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's that's kind of how that worked. And, you know, the, the bottom line is he can shoot awesome. He's way ahead. I mean, you know, his first hunt's coming up elk hunt-wise. He's way ahead of most hunters. Because he's like, he's eliminating so much of the hype. And, you know, there's always exceptions to the rules with things. But there's also people that do things a certain way with the majority. And that's what he's done a lot of his research and found. Like, where is the majority consistent with saying this is right? Where is the Who is that? Is it this guy and this expertise? Is it this guy and this expertise? Is it this guy and this? Because when enough of the roads point to the to the right spot and you go to that spot and just say okay i'm going to absorb this and apply and yeah there's times with some coaches where they say stuff that's that's bull crap and you do have to weed some of that out but he was just he had sole intent to like okay i'm i'm a sponge i'm going to absorb i'm going to apply and then i'm going to apply it long enough to where if something isn't relevant or doesn't work for me i'll I'll weed it out at that point, but I'm not going to just assume it's a weed because it feels different. And I think that's where, where you're at too. You're, you've recognized, okay, this way works really good. And then you've also tried it your way quick and realize, okay, that isn't working. And then once you like got that out of your head and you started going down the right path, you even said, you're like, dude, I need to be shooting with this all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because at first you said, shouldn't I just practice a little bit with the silverback because you have a knock to it as well? And I said, well, yeah, just what do you feel like? What do you feel comfortable with? Because I hadn't seen you shoot enough to know that you did have some target panic. And at least you took the first step that said, yeah, I would rather make some shots with the silverback. And then once you did it, I think 
you identified, okay, this is, this is shooting. What you were doing before was like back Open a prayer. <laughs> yeah, that's like back when we shot like a Red Rider BB. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> well, the, and the Silverback magnifies if you do it improperly. Yeah, you oh, know yeah. what I mean. If you, if I pull it back too quickly, I mean it's all over the place and missing the target, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it correctly and smoothly and consistently, and you do that four one thousand, I mean it's weird how it just finds the middle of the target. Yeah. The subconscious is a powerful, powerful tool. It's incredibly powerful. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times, my best performances or rounds that I've shot, I don't really remember um, completely because I was, I was almost so focused on something rhythmatic, systematic, rhythmatic, systematic. Like I'm pretty when I practice by myself, especially for indoor. I don't I don't like shooting indoor, like indoor archery. It's actually not something I thoroughly enjoy, but it's something that I learned years ago is critical to like starting over my season after hunting because during hunting season, listen, there's times where if a whitetail stops behind a doe, I'm not counting to seven one thousand like i'm thinking let off the safety pull through this sucker like those are the times where it's like fingers on the trigger pull 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 like then i'm pulling with like you know i've got the pedal down right i'm not punching but i'm not and you know i'm letting off the safety and it's like go through it like you know just look at the target and go through it like that's where all your training has to come through and save you right and so where are you aiming at, at that point? Well, I'm aiming in the right spot. I yeah. mean, I'm you know, I, I center, I get my pin to the spot that I want, and once it's there, I get my finger to that trigger and I am, you know, I am going for it. And it's the same thing when you shoot in the wind. You know, a lot of people say, Well, I can't shoot attention, activated release in the wind. Well, yeah, it's certainly harder because you're blowing around. But what you'll find is competitive target archers, and there's a ton of them that shoot hinge style releases and tension activated releases what they do is you know when they're when they feel like they're steady and not being blown off the target with gusts like when they're steady within their realm they're committed to like i'm pulling through at a rate to where i can build pressure as fast as i can without pulling myself off the target and make it happen so because there's probably times where I do that during my hunting season, when I really step away from the hunting season, which normally for me is as soon as like shotgun season opens in Iowa, I'll start shooting my indoor bows. And then it's okay, I go to the far opposite, you know, slow and smooth, let it build, continually build, and I just start pounding those, you know, pounding that indoor spot at 18 meters. And I've just found that when I can, when I can put on a song that I can veg out to, or if I can just kind of be there with some friends and just be shooting in this rhythm of, you know, not really focusing, I'm not focusing on the score. I'm focusing on just repetition and being in the zone. Um, it's like a completely different world. Um, because I don't really consider myself a good indoor shooter. I think there's great indoor shooters and i think 
Well, I would say I'm a good indoor shooter, but I wouldn't say I'm a great indoor shooter. But like last year for the turkey hunt, um, I remember uh, Chad Mendez switched over to a knock to it, and he was just like, he was, re- I mean, he was like, I can't believe how much better I shoot with this release versus a wrist strap release. And then uh, he kind of said, hey, will you, will you shoot an indoor round and let me kind of, you know, let me watch you shoot. So I just said, yeah, that's cool. So I kind of put on some like chill music, turn it up loud and just said, okay, I'm just going to try to like get in my zone and find my stroke. So I just sat there and started going. And like, for me, I can tell when I'm finding my stroke because the target sounds different. Like it starts sounding louder because I'm just driving one hole through that bag to where it's actually the arrow hitting the back wall because oh. it just gets to the point where I'm just routering out one hole. Got it. And it's just like, boom, boom. And then for me, when I start hearing that, like my confidence is, to, it's like, okay, I'm just tack driving right now. You know, I'm, I'm like in my zone, I'm going to do it. And then I remember for him, I ended up shooting, I think I shot like three straight rounds and, um, I only felt like I had been there a few minutes because you just, you just kind of like lose yourself in that moment. And that's really what you want to strive for. If you get to the point where you're so focused on the process that time almost doesn't like, it's not something you think about. Um, that's really where you want to be. And I think the silverback starts to identify Like it'll point out those times of when your brain is only in the moment of like thinking where did that arrow go or where did that arrow go it just starts to identify all these different uh problems in your in your shooting technique and i think that for me that's one of the biggest benefits is i only can do something right if i know that i did it wrong like you know that's that's one thing that i told stupid thing it's one thing that i told um Harry is, you know, doing something wrong isn't a bad thing. It's just that's your way of learning. You know, mm-hmm. at least now you can figure out what's the better what's the better way to do it and then do it that way, you know. In the world. Okay, someone's Well, I've heard you say this several times is, you know, it's not practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. And so I hadn't been shooting my bow and a year <laughs> knowing I was going to get a new one and uh, and uh, and I didn't want to be practicing something that I shouldn't be even doing yeah and so I kind of oh, remember that actually so now I you know I have 30 day a little bit over 30 days to kind of get everything in line and I'm you know I'm prepared to practice every you know every morning every afternoon to kind of do what you're teaching me which is you know with the silverback and the consistently pulling back and and having the right form. Well, you know, one thing too, and this was important today, is it's not about how much time you can put shooting your bow at one time. You know, you've got kids, you you know, you've got you've got a tremendous amount of responsibility at your work. So I mean you're you're going all the time. So your downtime is minimal. Like morning, mm-hmm. you got a short window, evening you've got a short window. So practicing efficiently within a limited time i think is better like i love getting up in the morning 
making a cup of coffee, um, which I've kind of been on this black rifle coffee kick since Andy came. And um, I get in the hot tub, then I'll normally like check some, I'll normally go through my social media while I'm in the hot tub warming up. And then if it's cracking daylight, then I'll shoot right then. If it's not yet, then I'll normally do like a kettlebell routine while I'm warm or even do, um, you know, I, I know people think like, I don't know, yoga doesn't sound tough, but God, is Man, it? it's tough. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I just, gosh, when I start out my day with like a cup of coffee, a hot tub, in an hour yoga, like there's a 5:30 class that I can go to. It just, it just like completely changes my shooting because it balances my body. Like whatever, whatever imbalance I have from sh- sitting funny or sitting in a car or flying or even pulling your bow, you know, with one side all the time, it just balances all that out. And then once I'm done with that, you know, as long as it's not a heavy lifting routine, I'll do my shooting. And sometimes I may only shoot 30 minutes, but sometimes I may get in the zone and I might shoot an hour and not even really think about it. So how many arrows are you shooting in 30 minutes or an hour? Hmm. See, I only, I really like to shoot, um, short intervals arrows. So I normally shoot like three arrows at a time and I'll shoot them pull sometimes i'll shoot four arrows so i'll shoot one at 20 one at 30 one at 40 one at 50 i'll do that a few rounds and then i'll go to 80 and i actually i shoot 80 and 100 the most just because it's the easiest on my arrows like you know sometimes i like shooting technically shooting groups or shooting without moving my sight because i do i forget to move my sight all the time i mean i you know it's I have a metal detector simply because of the fact, and if you've watched it on a live feed, I don't try to hide anything. There's times where I'll just use the wrong pin or forget to move my sight. Like that's the bad part about my ADD. I've done it in multiple tournaments too, where I'll just totally space it. <laughs> I shot, this is crazy. I was at a world field trial one time and I shot an arrow and I was like, where did that go? And no one was really paying attention <laughs> to what I was doing. And I looked around and I thought the X was, it was like a paper target, like a paper, you know, spot. It was raining really heavy and the X was kind of blown out. Sometimes when you shoot field rounds, like the targets are soft in the center. So sometimes, you know, your arrows like kind of poking out the back and you got to push it back through to score it. So I was just like, the shot broke so clean that I I just said, well, that's just in the middle. Like I was looking for it and I just thought it's in the middle. And because it was a marked round, it's not like I was guessing the distance. I knew it was 45. So then I pull back and I shot the next arrow. And this actually goes back to, this is kind of, this is part of the dirty play that's real in professional sports because obviously there's money on the line so after the second arrow dave cousins actually looked at me and said are you gonna move that sight now (laughs) and i go what because in his mind he thought okay he's 10 points down now like he's not coming back to beat me anyway so i might as well tell him so he he watched me shoot a zero on the first shot but he just thought, okay, well, I'm just going to let this dumbass do it again. Well, 
I had two arrows like touching veins in the dirt, like right <laughs> underneath the target. So I just looked at my sight and I'm like, son of a And he's like he's he just kinda looked at me with that look of sorry dude, it's all like fair, right? And and love and war. So I just shook my head and I was actually um at that point I was tied with Dave. It was at a it was at a world it was at a US team trial. I was tied with Dave. So now I wasn't even in Dave's map, but way back towards the back of that pack, and I forget who was in second. Um forget who was in second at that. I think Jeff Button was in second. But now I was all of a sudden like two or three points behind Rio Wild to make the team. So I had one day to like climb out of two freaking zeros that I shot. Luckily it was it was field archery, so each arrow was only worth five points. Like if it would have been 3D archery, right, that would have been way too big of a hole. But I ended up coming back and then beating Rio on the last target. Um he was up by one point and he pulled up and shot a three on the first shot. It was a 60 meter shot uphill and he shot a third, which like, that's the thing. My technique favors me in steeper terrain where you start to change body positions. And that's the, all the, the only shots Rio struggled on were the shots where he had to change his body posture. And I know you're not familiar with Rio, but his form is is kind of one of the exceptions his form isn't something i'd ever teach but it's hard to argue that it won't work because he's so successful at what he does Um, but the weakness to his form is once he has to start changing body position because that style of shooting doesn't it it doesn't accept it yeah so anyway it came down to i had to shoot a Shoot, I had to shoot an X on the last target at, you know, whatever it was, 60 meters or something in order to make the team, and I did. It was a good feeling. That was like, it was a big deficit. I mean, <laughs> and I that the, the two zeros I shot was the first target of the day. I oh, literally really? walked to the thing, and because it was like a marked distance, I wasn't, See, normally if it's unmarked, I would be thinking, how far is it? What target face is it? Are they trying to fool me on the size of the butt and change like... Because you can judge distance. You can get halfway there just by identifying what target face. So if is it a 20 meter face? Is it a 40? Is it a 60? Is it an 80? Interesting. Because if you've got an 80 centimeter face that looks super teeny, you know it's... 55 or 60 meters Mm -hmm. but if you've got a 60 centimeter face it can look like it at 40 can look the same as the 80 does when it's at 60 depending on like the presentation and how they hide it in the contour of the land so i just walked up and i wasn't even thinking about any of that because it was the marked day so i just walked up and i just looked i'm like oh yeah it's 45 or whatever and it was a single pin did you have a single yeah, pin? Yeah, because with your target archery, you're sh- I'm shooting a scope with a single pin. Uh. And not to mention, you know, I was shooting heavy arrows that are slow. Because because it's field archery, I didn't ever really focus on speed. So, you know, that's why my arrows were so low. I shot it for 10 yards less. 
But I started out like tied for first and then first arrow's like in the mud, <laughs> like it's pouring rain. And Dave had to just look and go, what in the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> and then when I shot the second one, it's almost like, okay, I got to tell this guy. Like, I feel bad about it. So then he just looks at, I'm, I'm kind of looking like confused, like, God, did I put a new another one in the middle? And he just looks at me, he's like, you going to freaking move your sight. <laughs> like, he couldn't even watch me do it three times in a row. But, uh, yeah, so occupying that conscious thought, man, that's really where it's all about. And your shooting level will go to a whole new realm if you can do that. Yeah, and stamina, too. That yeah. Fatigue, that fatigue yeah. killed me since I just have not been shooting. I've yeah. been working out, but it doesn't really help when I'm doing something new. Well, you're a hunter. A yeah, you're a hunter. It's not like you're shooting. Like I tell people, shooting leagues... And trying for numbers is good for if you're trying to prepare for something where you need numbers. However, you're a hunter, so I mean, technically, you're going to need one or two good arrows a day. That's not all you want to have in your bag. Mm -hmm. But if you can go out and shoot for 30 minutes and shoot 30 good arrows, that's a good practice session. Like, I know, I know if I went out every day and just really focused and shot 10 really good rounds with a pistol and just focused on doing like everything I was taught and just shooting, I would probably benefit more from that than if I just said, I'm going to go shoot a hundred rounds a day. And because if you're not shooting all those good, every arrow is an imprint, whether it's an imprint on the negative or where it's imprint on the positive, you want to imprint the positive. Like that's where the balance has to go because after three or four weeks of shooting, Whatever the majority of that is, that's what's going to start to become a habit of, okay, 90% of the time, these are good shots, which means eventually you're going to be comfortable 90% of the time. You're going to be able to just execute that shot. So I wouldn't worry about not being able to shoot massive numbers of arrows. Mm -hmm. The fact that you have a routine and you're going to feel the same each day when you go out there at that time... I think that's got more importance and relevant, relevant, you know, it's more relative to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think I think I heard you say this on a on a previous podcast, but you know, I'm gonna wake up in the morning at like five before the kids get up and shoot then because that's what I'm gonna be doing in November. Yeah, you know what I mean. I want to get in that mode. Yeah, it's a being able to get up and um, you know and actually get moving and get mentally on cue at that time and i think that's for me that's why so much of what i do is on a routine like i'll wake up at a certain time i'll pour a cup of coffee and i'm focused on being ready as soon as that coffee's done so a lot of times when i'm on a hunt i'll like get up uh make myself a coffee and then like normally if I'm either driving to where I need to go or if I'm leaving camp and I'm just walking, um, you know, or sometimes like in for whitetail, I'll put, um, I'll put like all my coffee in just a big thermos and I'll sneak into my stand and I'm always in there at dark, you know, dark, dark. So I'll just kind of, as long as I don't hear anything major going on, you know, I'll crack my, um, 
little coffee thing open and I'll just sit there and kind of in the pitch black for 45 minutes, just kind of drink a cup of coffee. And then mentally, like, because that's part of my routine every day, I'm just set. Like, I don't feel any different than what I do every day. Right. I think the one thing is if you don't do that, which I've never, I'm not a morning person. (laughs) You know, I wake up at seven, six thirty, or seven o'clock every day. When you start doing that in November or like turkey season, I'm a big turkey hunter. It wears on you a lot more than if you're not regularly doing that. The fifth day of turkey season is like <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> it's probably the hardest day. Like I would equate that. I mean, I've never been to boot camp, but I would say like I feel like those guys that I've seen on Netflix where they're just standing up sleeping. Like they're like people are yelling at them, and they're just like. <laughs> That's me. Like that fifth morning of turkey season. I don't know why it's like that because I get up that early as it is, but I don't know why. But for whatever reason, because you're so, you know, the problem with turkeys is you're mentally listening and focused at the first light. So it's not like, so you're you're not like waking up. You're, you have to be awake. And then you're so worried because you have decoys out and you're calling like I'm twice as paranoid to go to sleep during turkey hunt. No. Like in whitetail season, I'll pull my carabiner really tight and I'll kind of suck myself to the tree and I'll kind of think, okay, if I doze off, who gives a crap? <laughs> but when you got a turkey, like the worst thing is waking up to that like big spur kicking the shit out of your Dave Smith decoy. Or if, <laughs> if you're, you're like totally asleep. Or if you're hunting public land, you're, you know, maybe someone's walking up behind you or coming in your spot. Yeah. So you really have to be alert. Yeah. I've had that too. That's my only, like, I've had so many times with public hunting where I'll go in, I'll, like, bike a long way and then ride a long way, and I'm in my tree, and it's, like, pitch black, and I'm, like, sipping my coffee, and then I'm thinking, okay, I better button up my coffee and kind of let things quiet down. The sun's, like, cracking, and then it's, like, just getting light, and then all of a sudden, here's this, like, doucher, like, walking by you because he's afraid of the dark. And he's like, he's like walking by looking around for a tree while he can see. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the worst. But, um, anyway, we, I mean, we talked about some cool subjects, but one thing I want to talk about with you, because you, you've got, EJ's pretty geeked out about nutrition too, but, um, you're really geeked out as well, um, with, the product with Garland Animal Wellness. And I told everyone um, a while back that, that you know, I was kind of working with some products, some new products that are soon to come to light. Um, and you're, I guess you can vouch for the fact that I'm not really f- fast and in rushing into like... Which is a good thing. Yeah. You don't like, see a lot of people like that. Yeah, rushing into either endorsements or like products or whatever and I'm I'm actually a big advocate of I love finding the people that aren't focused on like cost because of the fact that they're not accepting what's on the market now like there's a couple people making broadheads on the market right now or inserts and they're expensive but they're great you know what I mean they're it's a small shop um, even like the trigger that I'm shooting on my, you know, on my release, it's not one. I would have to raise my price on my release a lot to sell these like Okies on there. Um, Bailey introduced me to him. Bailey is um, one of our 
Noxstars. Um, she introduced me to this trigger that you've seen on my on my releases, and they're not practical to sell them like for people buying a knock to it because it'd raise the price a lot. But I got them for my personal one because they're better than what we make for that cost. They're like three times more, but it you know the knobs are the neural knobs are deeper. You can get it with a brass. Um, you can get it with aluminum. It's a little bit wider, so. When I have a glove on, I kind of like it, um, but it's just one of those companies where this is a smaller operation, so it's not like on the grid of everyone knowing what they're doing, but they're doing it right, and that's what I liked about when I first talked with EJ and said, like, dude, what have you been up to? Because the last time I had talked to EJ, you know, he was like totally into the PGA thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and which he still is. Yeah. But... I didn't realize that the whole time he was doing that, he his passion was somewhere else. And then now, because you guys were friends with EJ so long, you kind of went into this thing with him. And everything you and your dad have done is not... I mean, you don't cut corners. That's, that's probably one reason you and I get along, is you guys don't cut corners. You're just like, how do we make the best, best thing... And there's going to be people that appreciate that. And that's our market. Like that's what, that's who we want. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm that consumer myself. That's what I want. It's like, okay, wait a minute. So this guy's making one that's definitely better, but it's, it's more, but it's definitely better. Okay. Like I want to work towards that. That's what I want to work toward. I want to work towards getting that because it makes sense, even though it might not be a mainstream product. I mean, and even my site that I'm shooting, I mean, I'm shooting a 20-year-old site because it was made right Mm -hmm. when it was made. And I haven't had to change it. At the time, people, listen, the site that's on my bow right now was $400 in 2000. One. Wow. (laughs) That's expensive. (laughs) Especially in 2001. Yeah. Okay. Like... The I th- I'm pretty sure, like the MQ1 was like five ninety nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or six ninety nine. Like for a brand new bow, that's what it was. So to be paying that for a site, like you were off your gourd. But I'm still using it because it was awesome and I liked it. So with you, um, there was two things that I tried. One. Um, was the mineral and the other one was the liquid and then from there it pretty much like this whole thing evolved to the point where it's like wait a minute i want to start like helping with these test studies to where i can see them so then it's like i had that's when i made the decision i want to lease a place that's you can't you can't really feed deer so to speak here in iowa i mean it's i'm not a big person first like i'm not into baiting but i do feel like nutrition is key and for those of you listening um way back in the mid 90s to late 90s i actually raised whitetails did you know that no you didn't know that no um so i raised whitetails in wisconsin and my family's business at the time was was a you know we bought and sold a lot of horses we did ranch rodeos you know, every Saturday night we did indoor bull riding, 
did ranch rodeos every month, team pinning every Wednesday night. I had 250 stalls I cleaned. Had an archery shop that was a 30 by 40 building that was off to the side. And I that's what I did while I shot professional archery for the first five years of my career until I started working for Matthews. So I raised whitetails as well because mainly because I just liked being around them. And I like, and so much of what I learned now from whitetails is because I interacted with them and I bottle fed a lot of bugs and things. So um, I just started to learn like their interactions and like their behavior patterns, right? So when you started talking about some of the things that you guys were coming out with, it really started to make sense for me because I could see such a huge difference. There was one year where we really focused on, um, I remember when I bought my first three deer, they were like small. They were, and I, you know, literally like bottle fed them to the deer they became. And the guy was adamant about this is what you need to feed them. And it was high end like protein. And I remember the first year I did and they had really like good racks for two year old deer. But then the next year, um, I actually left the ranch because I started my job at Matthews. So my sister, I would drive home on the weekends and help with the rodeos and stuff like that on weekends. So what I didn't know was my sister wasn't really feeding the deer the same type of thing that I had fed them. She was just kind of feeding them the same as what she was. She was like dumping some silage over (laughs) the top of the thing with the bobcat and kind of doing that route. Well, the racks just went backwards, like their actual like health. And um, they just looked more ribs. Like you could start to see hip development. Like they were just a different animal. They weren't they weren't nourished. So then when I started like feeding the right thing again, it's amazing the difference how it went. So with this product and what you guys are doing, it's the same thing. It's like with what you're putting into the mineral or the liquid, the deer are almost getting that maximum result if they are able to literally put their tongue on that one time throughout the day. They're hitting their maximum nutritional intake that they need to hit full development i mean is that correct yeah so i mean i think the thing especially with the the mineral and the liquid is you know our main goal was don't cut corners let's test this out we've been testing out most of these products for multiple years yeah we've been in business for four years and we haven't gone to the general public we're just selling to large ranch owners so we're to make sure that we are doing it correctly before we go out to the masses and that's the reason you know we connected with you but the mineral and the liquid yeah it they might be a little bit more expensive but they go further yeah you know kind of like your sherlock site yeah you know it's lasted 20 years you paid a little bit more at the beginning but it went further it and what our products do is the deer um absorb the nutrients in them you know better yeah um the correct levels are in in the mineral and the liquid so they're not getting too much or too little of whatever it may be trace minerals or the yeast that we put in there um so that was the main goal is is have don't cut corners put in the right amounts based on dr harry jacobson's research out of mississippi state and then um you know rice right price point yeah well the thing is you're not i mean you say Expense-wise, you're not 
um, it's not like you're off the charts. No, we're not off the charts. Because the liquid is, is it 20 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks. And then we're, we're doing a knock-on coupon. I believe it's 10 or 10% off. Yeah, promo code knock-on. Yeah. You get 10% off uh-huh. the liquid. So the liquid comes in a bag that you can actually take out in a backpack. Um, it's a pouch. So it's got a spout on it that yep. you can reseal. Yeah, you can untwist it, pour some out, put the cap back on it, almost like, you know, collapsible toothpaste bag, so to speak. And, yeah, because there's several different ways to put it out. But with this, it's the potency of it, and it's actually like in a molasses base. So the liquid, um, you you can either add it to corn, you can pour it on a stump, you can pour it on the ground, and then create like a lick site. And then put the mineral, like, you guys do, like, a little, what do we call that thing? A mineral milkshake. Yeah, we did. (laughs) We did the mineral milkshakes where we just poured a whole bunch of the the liquid onto um, either a stump or on the ground and then poured uh, a bag of the mineral over the top of that. And the mineral is actually based on region. So you guys have done a lot of studies where you've pulled core samples from Mm -hmm. different regions and really, you add more of the things that that soil naturally lacks, which is identical to what I do. When I want my food plots to grow, I'll pull core samples, mm-hmm. go to the go to the co-op, and say, okay, here, you know, I'm going to be putting red clover in this field, and they'll say, okay, hey, you need to mix, you know, some 10, 10, 10, or you need to put in some 50, 10, 5, or you know, they'll they'll literally give you. A calculation for your fertilizer that totally um, that totally balance that. So that's essentially what your mineral mixtures are. You can you can order that mineral according to region, or if you really want to, you guys you know. And this is some of the some of the bigger ranch owners that are you know have these massive ranches where they're really doing a lot of like you know whitetail or or elk management. They'll actually pull core samples, send those to EJ and say, okay, here's here's what our samples are. And then he'll say, okay, here's the, he'll make a new mixture of mineral to send direct to that people, you know, those people. If work. it's, if it's really different from anything we have, yeah. we don't like that we don't have, then yeah, we, we definitely create new, um, minerals based on the soil samples, but we also have, I don't know, a dozen different minerals right now that we can go off of. So if they're close enough, we kind of go with a current one. Um, As far as the mineral for sale on the website, it's one – we took a a region that is uh, is similar to like most others. uh, But next year in in January, February, we're going to have four different regions. So you could do a drop down? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be – it seems like that'd be pretty easy to do. Um, But – should, I mean, might as well give the website out so people can yeah so it's people a, can go there. It's uh, Garland Animal Wellness G A R L A N D. Yep, Garland Animal Wellness, and you've seen me. Um, you've actually seen me tag them in my posts. If you go back, I've been tagging them for quite a while, um, and they're they're not someone that's on the grid, um, but. Probably the reason they're not on the grid is again because you know you're not. There's there's a couple different ways to run a business. One is to market heavily, but cut 
product costs in order to buff buffer it with marketing dollars, right? So you literally have a product that you feel like you can market well. Um, you try to cut as much cost as you can out of the product so that you can take out X amount. You know, if you can save 20% out of your production costs, that's going to allow you to put 20% towards marketing. Whereas right now, we've, at least since I've been there, it seems like 100% of the cost has gone towards finding new ways to do what we did better, but then the cost isn't changing. Yeah, and and the great thing is like EJ's such a geek on this stuff that he's always looking for new product, new things to put in our products to make them better. And it's almost a nightmare, really, for someone that's trying to, like, by the time I know what the hell we're doing, yeah, uh, EJ's already, like, found something else. He's like, yeah, 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 I figured this, like, 2% better, um, you know, their, their, their stomach, you know, processes 2% faster if it's got this or that. I mean, he's, he's into it for sure. And if you go to our website, there's an education part that we shot with Dr. Harry. There's about 16 videos. Yeah, that's really Which good. is kind of neat. Garland Animal Wellness, you go to the education and you'll see just a whole bunch. You can see uh, deer biology, deer nutrition, deer supplements. Um, you can, you know, just a whole bunch of different subjects. And this is all important because a lot of people ask me to do podcasts about whitetail hunting, whitetail tips. Um, in some states, they allow baiting and they want an attractant. These aren't these aren't really attractant products. You know, that's they're they end up being attractants because they're so good nutritionally, and the deer actually want them. Yeah, yeah, but they're not like you're not making a product that's the majority of it is. A filler like a rice brand or something that's just like you know that's pretty much like your kid saying he's hungry and you just say you just giving him a bag of doritos cupcakes (laughs) yeah like they're definitely gonna freaking plow through them there's no question but it's doing no good for for that versus if you you know sometimes you know how i explain it when i eat clean i'm hungry all day but Like, I feel like I eat and I'm not hungry, but I get hungry again because I'm eating clean and it's just like I'm processing it and I'm absorbing it and my body's saying, oh, hey, your legs have been sore. We just, you know, I just took all that and like I'm doing some repairing, but we need a little bit more. But when I eat like garbage, I just give me like a hammock and some sun (laughs) and I just want to like pass out because I feel like crap. So this is um, both of these products, and again, you know, we're talking about it. Like you say, it's expen like to me, it's not expensive. You can get the liquid um, for right at twenty bucks. I think it was right. Um, and then we're doing a ten percent discount to all knock on. Um, yeah, so it's it's twenty bucks. You can add it to your cart. Then you know, it's you can do it a couple ways too. Just so you know, you can um, you can take this. It's called Artemix. You can take it, you can add it to like a bucket of corn, mix it all over the corn. You can put the corn out. Obviously, that way, um, 
that way it's almost an attractant and you're getting some benefit out of corn. Like you're actually yeah, making right. your corn. Well, you can make the, the half gallon go pretty far if you add, you know, you just coat the corn with it versus just pouring it out. Yeah. That way I like to use it is with, is with corn. And I've seen some really cool results in South Carolina three years ago. Like I've tried this a lot of different places and the deer just love, I mean, the bucks specifically like it. What about um, for the mineral um, price wise? It's forty bucks for a fifteen pound bag. Yeah, and that's I mean, but that's, it has no fillers. It's all it's a concentrated mineral. Yeah, and they actually even the smell of it smells kind of attracting. Oh yeah, and and this is something that once you put it down, that's gonna that site's gonna be there for a while. That's the only thing you have to be careful of. Like for me here in Iowa. It gets a little bit difficult because in areas, if I put any type of food on the ground or if I put a mineral on the ground, um, my process, because we're actually not allowed to bait here in Iowa and you're not allowed to hunt over bait sites once your season's started. So I actually have to either take like rubber mats and I'll lay the rubber mats over those locations or a lot of times... I'll actually dig them out and then I'll call my warden and be like, Hey Craig, you know, I just dug, you know, dug that thing out, um, where I had some stuff and then I'll backfill it and then I'll say, you know, kind of take pictures and send it to him and just say, okay, just so you know, here's what I did. Um, but if you're not in a state where you have to worry about that, then, you know, pouring it on stumps is a good way too. They'll definitely Mm -hmm. chew it off like old stumps. Uh, they'll eat it right out of there or like you said if you mix it in a five gallon bucket with some corn and you put that out they're going to get that nutrition and maximize their growth and actually it's not just maximizing the growth um ej is so adamant about like he he talks even more about the health and the growth of the does more than the bucks like to him he really feels like the importance of your herd and the health of your deer herd comes from the doe side 100%. more so than the bucks. Well, if you think about it, I mean, number one, body health needs to be there to whether your the does are lactating for them to lactate properly and give the best nutrition off to the the fawns. Or, I mean, you talk about bucks, like if their body health's not there, like you saw with your deer herd yep. when your sister was feeding them the you know the other product. Um, they're just not going to have their, they're not going to be able to maximize their genetics. So we talk about herd health because it it matters because not just bucks are eating it. And does raise the bucks at at the beginning and it starts off their life cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing too is when it comes to, to whitetails, sometimes if they're, they're kind of, they're in a way they're like they're like a goat well they are a goat i think deer are a lot like goats when i've watched them they're just they see something they kind of sniff around on it they're like hmm i'll eat that and they just kind of chow it down and if you've ever got to the point where you you know if you're like putting a lot of food on the ground like you know i was like everyone else i'd go out and buy acorn rage or whatever and Next thing you know, you got your deer coming in. They look like a poodle that got the shits, you know. They're freaking all diarrheaed out. They're like tails are just this big black dreadlock. And it's because they're just, they're not eating something that their stomach, 
their stomach bacteria balance isn't proper, which most of the products that we're putting out there, they're actually made to balance that bacteria within the stomach so mm -hmm. that that rumen is able to properly digest correctly and they're also able to fully absorb the nutrition that's within the stomach or within the whatever the the body's breaking down. Yeah, I mean we have these these natural ingredients that help them break down all the nutrients and absorb as many as they can. Yep. Instead yep. of like I mean almost every product on the market has rice bran in it when you're yeah. talking about a powder form and some kind of flavoring, maybe some dye. And yeah, rice bran's a really good attractant. Uh, Dr. Hare uses it for trail cam studies. But it has very little nutritional value. Yeah. Well, it's technically, they say that it's, because they'll say it's high. They'll say it's like 20% protein, 20%. But when it comes to actual usable protein or yeah. digestible protein, that's the difference. You know, there's times where um, we talked about this today. There's been, because you're, you're starting to get really passionate about fitness and being active and stuff. Um, and for those of you who follow my social media, when I was in Oklahoma and I went on those, I was trying to like keep up with little dud, um, Preston was with me there. I was we, in the background. <laughs> He's so healing over. <laughs> At first, like Preston's like, Hey man, I've been like really into this working out. He's like, do you mind if I go with you guys? I'm like, heck yeah, come on. So we went and literally jumped, we jumped out of the car in the middle of this ranch in the middle of nowhere in oklahoma four o'clock in the afternoon four o'clock in the afternoon it's a hundred freaking degrees with like you feel like you know i don't know you feel like you're in a tray you're on smoke setting <laughs> and it sounds about right and he freaking starts off with this pace to where i'm like running with him for a few minutes and i look at him i go how much are you running, dude? Because I'm I'm doing the math in my head. Like this pace times forty five minutes is gonna equal me dead. <laughs> well, it equals me. I was dead after that hill, that last hill. I almost. What, what my uh, heartbeats were like? Oh my god, one ninety eight. Jesus, yeah. He. I just thought. I just said. Well, dude. Just so you know, this is like by the time we get to mile five or whatever, this isn't like this is gonna add up quick. And then uh, he had his heart monitor on, and we're running, and all of a sudden, you know, we kind of had this hellacious hill, and we did the hill, and then we both, like, he was a little bit ahead of me, and you stopped, and then I stopped, I'm like, okay, and we're, like, power walking and, like, try to catch our breath. And then I kicked it in gear, I'm like, okay, one mile left, I need to go, like, I didn't want Harry to beat me, so I'm like, I'm going to... Because we dropped Harry off two miles before us. I don't know how he did it. We dropped him off two miles before. Was it two? Yeah. For we, sure two, For right? sure two. And I'm like, okay, I can't have Harry beat me. So I was just like, you got to go, you got to go. And I was just, it was this father drive of don't let your kid beat you, even though he had a two-mile head start. And... I remember I like crossed the finish line and I'm thinking, okay, you're alive, you're not dead. And I look back and Preston's like coming up and he crossed the line and you're like, and he said, oh my God, dude, I was, my freaking heartbeat was going crazy. And it wasn't until you got home and you downloaded your heartbeat monitor, you were in the 190s. <laughs> like, oh, nearly 200. <laughs> yeah. That can't be good. No, not good at all. 
Um, but check out those products. The other thing too is this is really cool. Um, one thing that we've continued to do, and I say we, is that okay? Yeah, hundred percent. I always say we when it comes to any of the brands that I represent because I think once I once I really feel like I put my name to a brand, at that point it's a team. Yeah, I you know, agree. It's not. I hope you feel that way. Yeah, I, I mean I feel like you know you and EJ are great friends. I like. I want to put my name on what you're doing. You're doing awesome stuff. But one of the new things that you're doing on the pellet side, which if you're, you know, what I like, what I like about your product is this. There's times where people like, I look at myself when I first, when I first knocked on doors and got permission hunting, I put out some pro, like I saved up a lot to buy a trail camera. And then the next year I had another trail camera. And like while I had the trail camera, I wanted to put it in a spot where I got the most pictures on it, right? So rather than pay six fifty for a bag of corn, I went out and bought a trophy rock, right? And that's what probably most of us did. The thing is, you know, and I know a lot of my friends use trophy rock and they're actually really good guys, um, good people. But there's not the benefit to that product like there is to garlands, right? It's not even in the same. It's not. I don't. The same. I have never tested a trophy rock, so I can't 100% say that. I do know that it's just a, it's a rock that they get out of the side of them. You know, they get it. It's in the sodium, binder. right? Sodium. Yeah. There's a lot of salt in it. Yeah. Ours is based on the actual environment and soil samples, so I would say it's probably pretty difficult to beat what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is the only thing I could really say about that. Well, I'll just say it definitely beats it. It's <laughs> it's a di- it's at a different level. But the thing is, if you go out and buy a bag of corn, you're paying six fifty. Put the bag of corn out; it's gone in a week. Then you buy, you know, but you got a lot of pictures, so you buy another one, and then you buy another one, mm-hmm. you buy another one. Three bags of corn, you already bought one thing of the Artemix, technically, right? And it's going to last. Time-wise, it you know once you create that site, it's going to last just as long, right? Then with the mineral, like that mineral site is going to become a permanent site. So, 100%. you know, if you put that forty bucks down, that's something that you're actually going to get pictures of throughout the year. But what I like is you there, there's a twenty point twenty dollar price range. There's a forty dollar price range, and then for the guys that are really into like deer supplementation and guys that have ranches guys that have their own properties bought their own farm they're trying to manage it they've got their hobby deer farm for those types of guys we have the pellet that's like a different level altogether and the one crazy thing about the pellet and i haven't been able to really talk about this i've mentioned it i've i've kind of told people you have like a proprietary thing coming but Preston and EJ have actually came up with with a product that actually has been proven to it repels biting insects, so ticks, uh, mosquitoes, like these types of biting insects um, that really suck the life out of wildlife. You know, they you know they literally get to the point where if a deer is losing however much blood because it's all of underneath its legs and its ears and the base of its horns. You know, its horns have flies and mosquitoes biting the crap out of it and its ears are just filled with ticks and its, you know, its armpits are filled with ticks. 
that's all new that's all like nutrients like being depleted from the body well, it's it's a huge stress factor yeah i mean it, no, number 1 it's depleting you know the blood and then number 2 it's hugely stressful on the animals which is going to hurt lactation and horn development yeah antler development so i mean it's like no different than us going out and we don't have a thermocell. It's annoying. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's stressful. Seriously. Imagine. It's, it's straight up stressful. We're actually doing a, um, a test with a, uh, a ranch in, in uh, Kansas right now, and they have a terrible tick problem. So they've documented the tick problem, and we're actually implementing the, um, the Repel Tech, techno- you know, the Repel yep. technology to, and see if it, you know, works based on those pictures we've had other instances where we had a client in louisiana last year uh dnr in louisiana i don't know exactly what they're called but they asked him to do a tickster survey on deer that they killed and they couldn't find any ticks yeah and so we haven't done all we haven't done all the research but we're working on it but based on what our clients are are saying right now ticks are down deer look better than they ever have yeah and so we're continuing to do research. Even the on coats, like we, yeah. we, we, well, I came up with, actually, Sharon came up with the name Repel Tech. Yeah. Um, you know, we were trying to think of what are, what are we going to call this new formulation. And this is something that, you know, once this product is fully tested, it'll be implemented into other other things that we do it'll be going it'll be going into our liquid it'll be going into the mineral it'll be going to everything oh it we, will yeah 100%. okay okay and the cost will stay the same yes okay see that and that's another thing that's so cool is even though the quality's going up the cost is can you know staying where it's at but the uh the deer at our oklahoma place um we started using the repel tech in pellets and obviously they're getting a lot of nutrients from a protein pellet but with the repel tech what i noticed was just the difference in like the sheen to their coat we're hearing a lot about that like it it just the reflection and how it looks is completely different i'll send you a picture of someone in arkansas that's been using it for two years now and look at this coat. It's it's unreal. <laughs> I'll post it on our on our social media. Okay, yeah, that'll be our good. Our Instagram. Yeah, that'll be good. And uh, well, I mean, I don't want to. I always I always feel weird about testimonies because I don't want people to think that I'm trying to sell them all the time. I just yeah. talk about stuff I'm passionate about and stuff that I spend money on and yeah. stuff that I like. Well, the reason we created the the company is. I'm I'm an avid hunter, um, and I tried out every single product. I promise you, I was at Cabela's and Bass Pro Shop and trying all these products out. These are you know attractants because I didn't have that much time, and I was hunting on the weekends. Um, and I had a friend in Wisconsin, up you know northern Wisconsin, so I'd bring the products, and they just weren't performing, and I was like so frustrated. And as soon as EJ said he was interested in creating like deer feed, and then eventually we would come up with some kind of supplement that we could. You can, we can put in smaller packages. I was all on board because I was kind of sick of what was out there. Yeah. Plus, I mean, if it's no good, too, it's, I mean, in a way, it's like putting your money in the toilet. I mean, that is true. That's similar. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. Well, especially when you have limited time, like, you're and you waste your money yeah. on products that people say are good and they're not. 
I mean, it's more of a time thing for me than it was, you know, you you, st- you spend 30, you know, 30, 45 dollars, you know, it, it's wasted money. But at the same time, the wasted time, like you don't have that much time yeah. to get out there. Yeah. With time right now, for me, that's more of a factor than anything. When people call and say, hey, I really want lessons, you know, I, I you know, I'll, I'll pay you this. And it's just like, listen. It's not about the number. It's about time. Like there's a reason there's a reason I have to say no to a lot of things that I want to do and it just comes down to I don't have time to do it. So if you have something that saves you time, to me the value pays for itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, like over and over and over again, really. Um one thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this baby up, because um, you had asked me about it earlier, um, you're wanting to get into maybe filming some of your own oh, hunts. Oh, yes, please. Will you talk about that? Yeah. You were wanting to film some of your own hunts, so I kind of said, hold that thought. And the reason I did is because I knew we were going to podcast, and I know there's a lot of people out there that, uh, that, are, that are starting to ramp up here for season, so I actually have my iPad right now, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk about really the bare bones. Like I film myself a lot, so I just want to talk about the products that I use to film myself and kind of the go-to products. And granted, because they've worked so well over the last few years, I actually haven't. Equipment changes pretty fast, so I know there's a lot of 4K stuff coming. The thing with 4K, and this is what I'll say, 4K, what that does is it's going to allow you to almost film things in a wide, like zoomed all the way out, and then it'll give you the ability to crop in to like an HD, to like a 1080. You can almost crop it. So say, like for example, when I was filming myself, a lot of times... You know, the animal isn't perfectly centered in the frame. Like, I get the shot, but it's not perfect. If you were filming in 4K, you'd be able to actually crop that and ha- and center it. Because you're taking, a, you're taking, like, a full TV screen, and regardless of where you want to, like, take your crop box from, you can recenter from that crop box. Which is, that's the nice thing about 4K. So, I mean, there's benefits to it. However, the downside to 4K is it's it's massive file, right? Yeah, it's space, it's storage, it's do you have a computer that's got a processor that will let you play it back and actually be able to see it at speed? Do you own you know? Do you have some of the different um, editing softwares that are going to be able to work with that 4K? And because of that, I'm actually s- still filming. Um, most of my stuff with cameras that aren't 4K cameras. So, um, and actually, I'm looking at this. That's in addition to these these video cameras you're going to show us and, and other thing and the other accessories. Yep. Can you? Is there a way to maybe hit a, have a, like a blog post where you can show like video editing software and like what you use to ed- actual edit? Maybe, but you're talking time again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, didn't I tell you? I'm sorry. Like, let's move away from this, this time. All right. This, just let, it, let us yeah, know. Yeah, let's goodbye. move away from this time. We can time. edit after the season. Yeah, let's move away from this time stuff. So with that said, um, 
One of the cameras that I've used the most was a Canon G30. Um, and I'm just going to tell everyone right now, I've buy, I buy most of my camera gear through B&H. They have an app, B&H Camera. They're out of New York. They're great people. And if you build a cart and you call them, you can normally talk them way down. Mainly what I talk them down on is I'll talk them a little bit. They'll totally price match. So if you see something on Amazon, they'll price match that. But in addition to that, um, they have a drops and spills warranty. So it's a no questions asked. If you drop it or spill something on it, they just fix it or replace it. And I've used it a lot. Like there's been times where I've totally just... 20 feet up. Yeah. You know how sometimes like people give you the easiest thing to catch and you just go into this spazzed out fumble mode. Like I've done that with my camera, taking it out of my backpack in the tree stand. I'm just like, okay... It's just a camera. Pull it out. And then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> hot potato. And then it's like hitting the ground and you're like, oh, damn it. So th- you can get the drops and spills warranty and uh, you can talk them down usually on that drops and spills warranty and it's not that expensive. So with that said, the camera that I had used the majority of the time was a Canon G30. Um and the other one I used was a Canon XA20. Um, so the difference is the G30 does not have a microphone or an XLR port on it. It just, you have to like put an onboard microphone on it. It doesn't have the ability to like plug in an XLR port, which is equivalent to like the, the type of uh, plug okay. that you have on like say the microphone we're podcasting on. Um, and you also can't use like you can't plug into two channels. See with the XA20, I could plug a wireless mic into into input one channel, and I could plug uh, like a shotgun mic on channel two. So that way you've got two different channels. Honestly, the majority of the time, unless I'm setting up and like staging a filming thing, I actually just I'm more worried about. Let's just capture the kill. Let's try to get the kill, have some decent audio. So in that case, um, I use that camera. However, now um, the G30 isn't relative anymore. The new one is a G40. So they have a G40 now. And it's a it's a 1080 camera that films um, at a 60 frame per second rate, which is really good. Um, so if you're looking to do that, you can look at the, the G40 right now, there's a $200 rebate on there. Um, so it's right at about a thousand sixty-eight bucks. Um, the next thing is you'll want to buy an extended battery for that. Um, so they have different types of extended batteries. I would highly, highly encourage all of you out there to make sure you buy a Canon battery because if you buy one of the cheap ones those are like the ones that light people's scooters on fire (laughs) I'm guilty of that with my my DSLR yeah and it did not work out well they worked hot it was really hot (laughs) they worked for like a week and then they take like 10% charge so the extended battery for this camera is the Canon BP828 and it's 149 bucks the BP-848. 
So that's an extended battery. So that'll give you a full battery that'll last like probably four to five hours in the stand. And then I'll use the battery that comes with it as a backup that I'll have in my backpack. The next thing is in order to avoid plugging your camera in to charge it, you don't want to like have to haul the battery pack and all that crap around to like plug into the camera. Canon makes, um, it's CG800. So it's a it's a plug-in-the-wall charger that allows you to just, it's a square little box, smaller than a deck of cards, that you can plug your camera battery onto and you just plug it straight onto the wall. So you're not bringing this big like inverter that you have to have an extension, you know, a big cord mm-hmm. to plug that in. And then that plugs into your camera and you're charging your battery through the camera, which, you know, that's more use of the camera too. Um, this just allows you to plug right into the wall. Um, next thing is make sure you get a good SD card. You're going to want at least a class 10 SD card. I was always wondering what the, like what the difference is. Yeah, so there's like in. a little small number with a circle around it on an SD card. So if you look at like a junky card, like say like one of these PNYs that we buy for our game cameras yeah. at Walmart. What's this, four? Four, right. And then it also says like... There's normally like a megabyte a second. It says performance on it, though. Yeah. <laughs> good, good marketing. It says performance. Versus if you get like one of these like SanDisks oh, Extreme, yeah. uh-huh. it'll have like a class 10. And some of them, like the older ones, which were fast at the time, was like 45 megabytes a second for speed. Now they make them like 95 megabytes per second. So you can get one of those for like 35 bucks, and it's well worth it. Um, so that gets you your camera and, um, an extra battery and the battery charger. The next thing is going to be, um, the, an external microphone that has better sound quality. And the one that I really like is the DM 100. Um, Sony make, or uh, Canon makes it and it's made to plug right into the hot shoe of your camera. Um, so it plugs literally right on the back of the camera and it powers itself um, off your it pretty much powers itself off your battery charger so why do you like that one versus the road because i um, see a lot of people using the yeah road. the the roadies are um oh, the they're pretty sweet um but you have to actually plug that little cord oh, into the side saying, okay got it and i've broken a lot of those off um in the camera and it's not it's not good to break about, off. I noticed it doesn't have like a wind cover on it like it you, comes with one. Oh, it does it okay. comes with a cat muffler oh, there on you go. it oh perfect yep so it comes with one and you'll get good sound out of that um the next thing is you really want to try to get a a proper thumb remote um because when you run these cameras um you want to you want to be able to have your camera on a tree arm or on a micro, um, on a a tripod, and you want to be able to to literally navigate that system with a thumb remote. Um, and there's lots of different there's lots of different ones now. Um, Canon makes their own thumb remote, which pretty much allows you to hold a handle, hit record, zoom in, zoom out. There's there's several different ones, but um, Canon does make one. You can call them and ask them. Verizoom makes one as well, um, and it's pretty much it allows you to power the camera on, 
power the camera off, zoom forward or zoom back. That's what it allows you to do. So having one of those those controllers are good. I actually use the older ones and I just wait for them to turn up on eBay, try to buy them. Um, they work really good. When it comes to, so you've got your camera, you've got an external mic, you've got a thumb remote, an extra battery, and a charger. You'll want to buy that drops and spills warranty. Then the next thing is just get a small UV lens protector, mm-hmm. just so if you ever drop it on something, you don't crack the front of your lens. Um, when it comes to like tree arms, I use the Muddy um, Outfitter tree arms because with that um, that size camera, that's really all you need. Like it's not heavy enough. Um, to need something different. So um, if I look here, the Muddy Outfitter Tree Arm, uh, they sell it. You can get it on Amazon. It's 141 bucks. But that right there is all you need for a tree. Um, if you aren't in a tree stand, then uh, having a uh, Manfrotto monopod or a tripod is really, really valuable. And Really, that's the only other things that that I look for getting. If you get those and they make a small little rain cover that goes that goes over that camera, that's all you need. And those those things can fit right in a standard backpack. Like that entire setup, I actually can take out in my eighteen hundred backpack. And you know, I can have the camera arm mm-hmm. in the side pocket where the water bottle normally goes. The base will be on the main inside compartment. The camera can slide on the outside compartment. And I put the extra battery and charger in my top um, zip pocket. And then the microphone is normally right in the same pocket as the camera. And I can go out and pretty much be up and going all the time with that setup. And you're going to be able to uh, do that setup really uh, you'll be able to use that for almost everything that you're doing and works really well. And if you, if you're into photos and pictures and things like that, um, there's a lot of different camera, like SLRs. There's a lot of mirrorless cameras now that are really good for filming. Like you used my, my Sony, um, I'm trying to think what the heck that thing, it was a Sony a seven. Uh, what was it? I'm trying to think which one I bought. Um, I bought the A7R is what is the one I bought. The Sony A7R2. Oh, was that I was I was taking pictures with that. Yep. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was nice. So the A7S2, um, the S is a little bit cheaper, but it's more focused on taking a lot better. Um, it can take a little a little bit better video, but the photo quality isn't as high versus the R. Um, which I have takes 40 mega, 40 megabyte, um, raw images and the videos, if you learn to navigate the video, you can still navigate the video and it works really well. The problem with the mirrorless cameras or the DSLRs is the depth of field is very short, which makes the video quality good and they can film better in low light because the processors are like so brilliant. But, um, the problem is. If you're trying to film yourself, the depth of field is so short yeah. that it's like the it's not 
as smart as like the that G40. And again, with the Canon, the G30 that I've used is now being updated to a G40. And that G40, you can set go inside of the menu and you could set it up. If you go scroll through the menu, there's a setting called markers. And I'll go into markers and then I'll set it up for gray crosshair. And you can literally have a, a gray crosshair in the center of your screen. And I just either if I'm filming or someone's filming for me, I say, pretend that the crosshair is your scope. Just put it in the shoulder mm -hmm. and just follow the shoulder acting like you're going to make a shot. And if you do that, you're going to have pretty good video. And it's, you know, like I said, it's not, um, you can actually buy that G40 and all those accessories for less than you could buy that Sony a7R. Yeah. Just I, the body, actually. You can buy the whole camera package for less than just that body. The one thing I, I had, the I have the Canon D70 or D60. It's a DSLR. Yeah. And I tried a video when I went and shot the oscillated turkey, and it was a huge disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I had, a, like, an actual, like, uh, a video camera versus the DSLR. Yeah, because you, you literally are continually having to focus uh -huh. because as they come closer, they're just getting out of focus, out of focus, out of focus. But, um, well, cool, dude. We need to go shoot a little bit more. You gotta, I know you got to drive home tonight. I think you do. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get wrap this up. We're going to shoot a little bit more. Um, be sure to... Well, a couple things. Um, I'm going to have to wrap this up and announce when uh, the four runners up for the knock to fork. And we're going to let everyone vote on this. We've actually, Traeger just texted me. They've got five. They, there's five runners up. I haven't even looked at these yet. I'm going to look at them now. But, uh, yeah, this should be this should be really interesting because people were... Man, was there some amazing plates? There were some there? really good ones. You were, oh man, I'm just look, ooh, look at oh, that. That was really good. You oh that man, one. who did that one? Uh, he came in late. I don't know. I think it's a he. Oh, but um, wow, Third Coast five seven nine, dude. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That looks unbelievable. Well plated. Well plated, and then meet, pray, love. Yeah, he's 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 amazing. He's good. God dang, he's good. Well, that Holy was a good crap. David a, Harris, 357, dude. Is that a salmon? It's everything. Oh, oh that's man, a, I didn't that see looks that one, good. CJ Reedinger, or Redinger, he was a runner-up last week. God dang it. I hate contests because <laughs> I want to give everybody... God. Oh, yeah, Tamale. That was, that was Jen the Archer. She's been... Gosh, she's made awesome plates every time. I'm just... I'm really like... This is hard. Mm. God, this is hard. In the last one, everyone stepped it up like a <laughs> Game is on. Like People are going after one another's throats right now. This is amazing. Um, gosh, these are awesome. Everybody is so good. Um, I don't even know what to say. I've got to, I've got to, we got to wrap this podcast up and try to nail this down. But, um, Hope you all enjoyed listening. This is my buddy Preston. Um, Thanks good for friend. having me. Oh, dude. Appreciate you're more it. than welcome. Look forward to shooting. And then um, kind of sucks you have to leave because 
Have you ever had a margarita from our local Mexican place? I might, I might be staying. Because <laughs> if you I do, might have to change my flight tomorrow to Nashville. <laughs> it's the only place. Like La Casa here in my town, I don't know what they put in their margaritas. But when you have one, like you better have a bed within 30 minutes. <laughs> because they don't make you hammered. They just make... I think they put like Lanesta or Ambien. <laughs> That sounds a little dangerous. <laughs> it is. It is. Because if you like overdo it on the verde sauce, you oh. literally pass out and then wake up with a hot diaper. <laughs> so, do you wear, do you wear a diaper after you go to this one? <laughs> yeah. It, well, it depends. It's an, it's an, it's an adult diaper. All right. Depends. So we're going to go size pressing up for some depends. And... Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.